Hello and welcome back to Vox Popcast, the weekly pseudo-academic roundtable of pop culture analysis with drinking and swearing. My name is Christopher Maverick, but you can call me Mav, and I am once again here with my co-host, Wayne Wise. How's it going, Wayne? Hey, Mav. Good. I heard yeah. you saw a movie today. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that's, yeah, I saw a movie. <laughs> so we're, we're talking off air about, like, I, I mentioned last week that I saw The Flash and I didn't particularly want to do a whole episode about reviewing it and i was like it's and fine i, I guess <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's like it's like that's uh that's where yeah. it is but that's not exactly what we're talking about today we're talking i, I want to introduce our guests pretty quickly because they're both going to be relevant um and they're both yeah, i would say experts in the field of what we're going to be talking about is that fair yeah Right. Yeah, absolutely. I, and and I so. and and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, long-term friends of the show and and semi-regular mm-hmm. guests. So Okay, so first and cuz she's already talking, I'll go with this will I will attempt to not confuse myself and remember where I am. So first I would like to introduce Anna Papard, who is my co-host on my other show. <laughs> so, so I'm going to try to remember which one I'm on. Hey, Anna, how's it going? <laughs> it's going pretty good. Long time, no chat. I think it's been days, entire days. <laughs> Yeah. Well, is, welcome back is, to our show, Anna. I, I haven't it, talked to you for a while. It's yeah. true. <laughs> and, and just uh, just as a crossover note, and it's not going to make sense in the order the episodes drop in, but we are recording this show with Anna as a guest, which is going to confuse me for the entire time we're recording it. And then next week, we're recording the other show, GGW, and Monica's the guest, I think. and it's gonna throw me off the entire time monica is not here today but um (laughs) before we say the topic and why anna's here and how i invited her at the last minute accidentally doing it wrong i should introduce the other guests (laughs) um so john dorowski who wrote the blog for today hey john (laughs) welcome back hi hey john the 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 longest running box pop guest I'm still the show. first guest. You haven't had. You did not have one. <laughs> we, 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 have, we have not had another first guest since you <laughs> appeared that time. <laughs> <laughs> no time travel antics. So, so we we're, we're not about the Flash. We're not talking about the Flash. <laughs> but well, okay, I, I'm sure it will come out. So, just so so the listeners understand why I'm making this. What are we talking about, John? We are talking about superheroes and adaptation. Adaptations. Okay, now that now you have a very particular interest in this i think is fair is that yeah i'm really glad i read your blog post a half an hour ago (laughs) about when i got it done yes yeah this this uh episode came up kind of last minute because last week mav posting about uh that that episode added a note at the end saying and we don't know what we're going to talk about next week anyone have ideas and, and john's like I, yes i do i'm you. working on a book <laughs> i said you want to talk about superheroes and adaptation because i am the editor for adapting superman and currently accepting proposals for adapting the x-men which is an academic book series on adapting comic books into other media not necessarily movies fair all other media yep. I, I have a very broad uh, view of superheroes and adaptation and what would count as an adaptation Mm -hmm. so john said hey could we do this one and i'm like sure can we do it for next week um and john's like yeah sure and it it was nice enough to write a blog up which which we only posted today and then 
I knew neither Monica nor Hannah could make it. Um, so I was like, do you have any ideas for any other guests? And then John said, Anna. And I was like, okay, I'll ask her. And then I didn't at first <laughs> because I just <laughs> forgot. <laughs> I was like, oh shit, I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to text Anna. And then I didn't. And then Anna texted me about the other show. And then I didn't see that right away. So when I got to my phone later and saw the text from Anna, about the other show, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I should ask her to be on Vox Pop tonight when we record it. So I texted uh, John, calling him Anna, and asking if he wanted to be on the show. <laughs> and, then I went on, and then I went on about my business. And like an hour later, Anna like tweets something. Um, and I'm like, oh, she didn't answer my text. So I went to go make sure she saw it. And then I saw that I had not sent it to her. I, I sent it to John and I was like, okay, that's not useful. Uh, <laughs> John's already going to be there. So then it's just like, hey, you want to be on Vox Pop tonight with no notice? Are you bored? <laughs> you are so lucky that I have and nothing going are. on in my life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's about how that worked out. I was like, so thank you. Thank you both for essentially just like making a show if you're out of thin air. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's just coming and hanging, hanging out with my friends and talking about some of my favorite stuff for an hour. What's yeah. not to love? Which, when this show is at its best, that's what it is. It's just, yeah. you know, we're going to, we're, it's smart people going to talk about a topic that we're oddly, this is the, this weird thing that we're oddly experts on. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, it's so, so bizarre. And like, it's supposed to be like the idea that one might go out and, you know, study superheroes for a living. One might even get a doctorate studying superheroes for a living. That's dumb. On its face, it's dumb. The fact that we live in a world now where suddenly culture cares about people who study superheroes for a living because superheroes are the biggest media in the world. That's an accident that is weird I mean, and silly. And I, I, I was wasting my life for four years and then suddenly yeah, exactly. and then suddenly everybody's like, hey, this is cool okay. now. <laughs> I mean, when I got my PhD, I figured I'd be unemployable no matter what I did. So I figured I might as well do something I like. <laughs> yeah, sounds fair. <laughs> so anyway, John, what did you mean by superhero adaptations? And uh, at least in the context of what we're talking about today, because um, we, I, I guess we should we should key the audience in that, um, as we said at the beginning of the show, Wayne and I have both now seen The Flash and that, that's a movie. All right. Um, <laughs> um, but we've also both seen Spider-Verse, but neither of you have. I haven't seen either of the, them. Oh, you've not seen the original Spider-Verse. Original Spider-Verse. Yes, but not, okay, the new but one. not the new one. OK. And John also hadn't seen it. So we're not going to spoil the Spider-Verse movie, though we did an episode about that two weeks ago. So if you want Wayne and my thoughts on it, go back a little bit <laughs> in the stream, you know. Like and subscribe and all uh, that. It may come, um, up in, may come up in the general idea of what the Spider-Verse is. Yeah. Right. Uh, but yeah, uh, we'll stay uh, away from spoiler, spoiler. Yeah, from right. the film itself. Right. Mm -hmm. And the, um, the spoilers for The Flash, I, I mean, he changes time. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it's a movie. Like, no one's seen it. And judging based on the box office results, no one's going to see it. I'm, you know, it's really hurting my game here. So I'm not, I'm not terribly worried about spoiling that one. But anyway, so John, what are we, what are we talking about exactly? So looking at the genre of superhero, which mm -hmm. does go outside of the comic book. Uh, what does it mean when it does move from that medium of the comic book that it usually originates in to a different medium? How does that change might affect the meaning? Certainly how it affects the presentation. Mm -hmm. um, and by other medium, I know we'll focus a lot on television 
but also includes video games, novels, RPGs, uh, theme park rides, merchandise. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm pretty sure that for adapting my the X Men, my brother Joseph, who's also been a guest, uh, is going to write about trading cards. Oh wow! Is he gonna? Okay, he's gonna talk about the X Men trading yeah. card series, which which I guess is what made your family superhero fans, from what I understand. That's a, that is how oh, he explains. Yeah, it. that was a big part. Um, we were just at that thing, like we got interested in that early nineties, where it was the perfect conjunction of trading card craze, cartoons on TV, comic books were still accessible at grocery stores. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So widely considered what a superhero is, and widely considered what adaptation is. And I, I guess my starter question, just to go somewhere, because I'm sure we all have opinions, and this is even without you guys having seen either of the new films, Spider-Verse is doing really, really well, and Flash is doing really, really not that. <laughs> so so I guess adaptations can, like, like, what makes one good? Is it different for superheroes than it is for ad- adapting, you know, anything else? Like, I don't know, Shakespeare? So this is... One of the things I wrote about in the blog post is that with a lot of these uh, uh, genres, they're getting adapted all the time. Uh, you know, one of the best selling video games in recent years was a Western, Red Dead Redemption. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But, but superheroes are a little different because it's not just the genre, it's the characters that have been carrying on the adaptations for 80 plus years now. Uh, you don't like when you talk about Western, you're not talking about, oh, there's a new film of this character coming out in the. Sometimes, but not, but usually not. Usually it's yeah. not like it'd be at most a trilogy of those films. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Superman has had film versions since 1950 with Superman mm-hmm. versus the moment. And so you have all these iterations, but it's of the same character ostensibly. Mm-hmm. Right. So part of looking at adaptation is not just how does it move from one medium to another, but how does it, it change in the context? How is it adapting to the culture, of the time that's released? So the Superman of the 1950s is going to be different from the Christopher Reeve Superman, who's different from the Superman for today, but also the location. So if it's set in a different country, have they made efforts to localize it, try and get some of that culture? Um, that doesn't come up a lot, but it's, it's certainly there if you want to search it out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, for me, it makes me think a lot about... Mm... I think a lot of the times what bothers me about adaptations is people thinking comics are simpler than they are. You know, that mm-hmm. old that old idea that comics are just storyboards. We can just adapt this, right? Yeah. But of course, it's not like <laughs> yeah. that at all, right? <laughs> but there's sort of a false logic to that, that these things should be so easily adaptable. And in a lot of ways, they are. I mean, the branding of superheroes carries through sort of the spectacular action of a superhero comic is ideal to showcase CGI. And that is a huge part of why superhero movies have become so dominant in this era. Like, mm. I mean, there are technological considerations, but but yeah, I don't know. I mean... It's too much to do a thing comparing Flash and Spider-Verse as cultural phenomenons because there's so much baggage going on with the Flash that I think has affected that film. But still, like Spider-Verse has been both the first one and the new one has been a really solid argument that adapting more of kind of like the innovative style of a comic book to a film can be really appealing to a diverse audience. And that can be what sort of 
differentiates you from the market. You know, it's not just mm -hmm. that. I mean, there's like story considerations. There's like the appeal of all the different types of characters that are in Spider-Verse, which again is one of those things. It's like, well, does diversity sell or does diversity hurt sales? And people just like pick which side of that debate they're on, depending on what's doing well in the box office at any given time, which is frustrating. Yeah. But but I don't know. Yeah, I'm kind of like a person who's often frustrated by superhero adaptations, but definitely also one of those predictable people who thinks the Spider-Verse movies are an exception to that rule. <laughs> so, so, you're, so you're saying you tend to not like adaptations? Um, a lot of the time. A lot of the time. Yeah, I, well, I just that's I, I'm trying to put my ideas here. I, you know, certainly I grew up with comics and you know, learned to read with comics, whatever. It's always been there. That's been my primary thing. But I'm also doing that at the time of watching Batman TV show, mm -hmm. um, you know, some late original airings of it, but mostly in syndication as well mm -hmm. as the you know, cartoons on Saturday morning. So you know, I guess in my memory, they have always existed in multiple media. Mm -hmm. I've, I've always taken that for granted. And even then, there were obviously differences in the, in the way they were presented. Batman on Super Friends was not Adam West, was not the Neil Adams Batman. Mm -hmm. And yet they were all part of the stew of Batman for me at the same time. Uh, I don't know what point I'm making with this, just other than you know, that an adaptation of that character existing in these multiple places. Uh, and maybe even then, you know, thanks to Crisis on Earth One storylines, sure. mm -hmm. uh, I just accepted that, okay, this is all multiple universes, whether I could have stated it that way or not at the time. I could when I was when I was yeah. very little. Right. Like I, and, I, and probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I have no I have no recollection of not being a superhero fan. Right. Like I, I mm -hmm. you know, they, I mean, I've yeah, talked about same. before, like I, I like I was a big Falcon fan when I was two. Why? Because I had a meagle action figure of the Falcon and, you know, he was black and had wings that made him the coolest superhero. Like he could fly and he mm -hmm. was black and he was the only black doll that there was the only black action figure. <laughs> right. there was. So it was, it was really simple. It was a short list. But yeah. like to, to me, like playing with those toys, watching Super Friends versus watching the Batman 66 show um, in reruns by the time I'm I'm watching yeah. it. I'm, 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 yeah. I'm far younger than Wayne. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, no, but watching watching those shows as a kid, watching Spider-Man and his amazing I, friends, plus watching Spider-Man 67, I think the animated cartoon mm -hmm. was. Um, and there were two different Spider-Man cartoons being made at the same time. And I and I watched all of those and I was reading the comics and I've never had a point where I was confused about yeah, like how can they be. It's, it's just I right. understood that there are different continuities and different incarnations of this character. And even like in all seriousness, being five years old, I sort of appreciated that I sort mm -hmm. of had an appreciation yeah. that there is a different version of Batman on the super friends than there is in this comic book. Mm -hmm. And then there, then there is on this Adam West TV show. And it was interesting seeing how the live action Batman is different than mm -hmm. the, you know, the comic book one. And that was, that was very much my experience of that as well. I think there's other types of media that give us training in that, though. I mean, something like James Bond movies, you know, mm -hmm. they ostensibly mm -hmm. exist in this shared universe and yet they definitely don't. Right. And video mm -hmm. games are often like that as well. So, yeah, I don't know. I think people get really hung up on thinking people need continuity. And I've always found that a strange complaint because I think that there are so many counterexamples. I don't think most people are as hung up on that 
as, as some people want to think that they are. I don't think anybody's really hung up on it. I think that pe- I think people well, are that, hung that, up that, on that, the idea that, of being hung up that, on it. That one guy at the mm-hmm. store. Right. Well, I, mean, I, I, I Yeah, I, I think people are hung up on the idea of I think people I think people care more about the freedom to complain about continuity or lack yeah. thereof mm-hmm. than they well, do about the actual continuity. Because, well, and, again, it, Batman's adventures don't make sense. He's 30. I mean, well, actually, I, I won't use Batman because he's had crises to reboot himself. I'll use Spider-Man. Spider-Man has been around for 60 years and has in that time aged 10 yeah. years. And like, if you actually count the number of issues up, he just does. He just does not have enough yeah. space to have lived that that life. And it's well, fine. Yeah. And we've we've had episodes about that. You know, everybody has their headcanon of things they believe is continuity and things they don't, whether they think of that headcanon or not. Um, you know, Fantastic Four met the Beatles. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but yeah, but that, that's, that's, we're probably veering off the topic of. Well, I, I actually, place, it's but... not far off the topic because okay. uh, I brought this up in the blog post from uh, a book called Adapting Frankenstein, an essay collection on Frankenstein adaptations. Authors present this idea that there is the network, which is all adaptations of the character. So if you take all mm-hmm. of Frankenstein yeah. texts, that forms a network of adaptations. Uh, there's also... Mm-hmm complex which is each person's interaction with a select number of those texts no one's going to have interacted with all or consumed all the frankenstein adaptations no one's going to have actually consumed all of spider-man or batman well one or two people but it's a it'd be a massive project to consume douglas woke who's been on the show yes (laughs) yes douglas woke who's been on our show as as that's yeah, true. He, like, right. He's read all the comic books, but has he also engaged with all the adaptations? Yeah, quite possibly. Play, 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 played all the video games. And... <laughs> quite possibly. Oh, <laughs> made, made I, yeah. Again, I'm, I have that uh, wide view, so you know, I would say, like, has yes. he done the card games? Yes. And the uh, right, exactly. The, exactly. Uh, I, I see your, I see your point. Yeah, I would, I would add, has he read all games. the fan fiction? Yeah, all well, the fan that, fiction. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's fiction. a good point. Yep. Well, that. Well, that's the argument I make in my dissertation, right? I argue that superheroes work more like myth than like books because so the difference between adapting Superman and adapting Romeo and Juliet is that when I'm adapting Romeo and Juliet, I have a presumption that my audience is looking at my film, my Leonardo DiCaprio film or my zombie film or gnome film, whatever it is. And they're comparing it to what they think of as an Urtex, except for William Shakespeare's version is actually um, an adaptation anyway. So I call it a truth copy. They have a they have there is a universal copy of Romeo and Juliet that exists in the public zeitgeist. That is the one as written by William Shakespeare. There's a universal copy of Pride and Prejudice as written by Jane Austen. And that is the thing that all adaptations must be compared to. Mm. Um, I don't think that works with most superhero texts. It works if you're if I'm adapting Watchmen, but it doesn't work if I'm adapting Spider-Man or Superman or it could, because of the, the concept that John's talking about. There is no there is no greater overall text where I can assume that everyone who is going to watch this has some familiarity with Craven's last hunt or with one more day or with 
crisis or flashpoint or whatever. What I can presume is most of my viewers have some concept of the generic idea of Superman or the generic idea mm. of the Flash or Spider-Man or whatever. Like there's a there is a not with all characters. There, certainly there are going to be characters where, hey, I've never heard of this Blue Beetle before. Let me see this movie. Like that's certainly going to happen for some viewers. But the general presumption of I live on the planet Earth in the year 2023. I have a vague concept of what a flying person with an S on their chest means is kind of a presumption that we can have. But then I think that becomes interesting when you are talking about lesser known characters. And I mean, so much of the I know you did a show about She-Hulk, which I listened to, which was great. But I mean, so much of the discourse there was so strange and frustrating. Yeah. People being like, oh, they just invented this new character. What is yeah. all this fourth wall stuff? And you're like, if you're someone who reads comics, you're just like, we right. were doing this 30 years ago. What are you yes. talking about? <laughs> right. Just right. invented it in 1991. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. <laughs> that's like, the <laughs> and stuff is so shaped by mm -hmm. who has the most influence within fandom. Right. And I see that discourse come up with something like the Captain Marvel movie as well. Right. Like. People being like, this was never this feminist character. I'm like, she was literally modeled after Gloria Stein. And what are right. you talking about? Right. <laughs> but it depends what version of canon you're familiar with, right? Yeah. If you only know the comic books from the 90s featuring Carol Danvers in the black thong back yeah. bathing suit costume, you're not familiar with the fact she was invented as a version of Gloria Steinem in 1977. Mm -hmm. So I often get interested in those conversations about adaptation having to do with which version of the character is canonical, because mm -hmm. as much as those debates can be really annoying, they can be really interesting as well. I think so too. I mean, they, they, can be, they can be revealing of just what assumptions exactly, people exactly. make. Yeah. Well, the presumption that I make is that even so I have read those 90s comics and I've read the 70s comics. And I would argue that the 90s thong butt Carol Danvers that you're referring to is actually attempting to have kind of a feminist message that perhaps some of the people complaining, uh, they, they might they might have missed it. They might not have understood it. Um, but I'm also not going to entirely dismiss them because I think that since there is no urtext for the superhero, I think that people only compare adaptations to their own internalized headcanon. So there's a copy of Carol Danvers that exists in my head and how close can Brie Larson hit the copy? And do I care if she hits my now for right. me? I don't I don't care. I, I would rather see someone doing an interesting take on a character um okay so in that movie in the the captain marvel movie annette binning plays marvell and it's clearly a very different character i don't mm -hmm. care at all i actually yeah. i really enjoyed what she did i thought that was really fun like not only is it gender flipped it's just a different character that's not marvell yeah. in any version that i recognize and frankly i never thought marvell was terribly interesting so it's probably even easier for me to, to let go of like carol was always more in interesting character so i like seeing the new take in exactly the same way as a, as a comic book reader if you tell me hey peter david's taking over this book we're gonna have something new next month i go i would like to see what peter david's gonna do you know hey we're bringing in i don't it doesn't matter like we're bringing in gail simone do you want to see what she's gonna do with superman yes i would right like that's kind of mm -hmm. that's so for, so for me i like the new take but I can understand how Peter David came in and he changed everything that I believe about the Hulk. And so now this doesn't work. So therefore, I understand why someone who watches a film and doesn't see their version of what they believe Carol Danvers is supposed to be, they might be disappointed because they're because this movie is sold on the hey, you remember the Carol Danvers that you've always loved? 
now we're going to put her on the big screen. So if it's not the one that you've always loved, I mean, that's kind of a problem. But on the other hand, I think people get hung up on it. But I think that they get hung up on the idea of it because, I mean, is there anybody who's out, out there who is only a fan of one Batman, right? There's been there's been like a dozen actors who have played Batman on screen. And like, I, I just can't believe anybody's like, no, no, it's only Val Kilmer, <laughs> you know, right. <laughs> you know, or, or whatever. I mean, I, I mean, I picked, yeah. I picked one, but like, it's it's only it's only Bale. Affleck sucks. Clooney sucks. Like Keaton sucks. Nobody does that. Right. Like it's it's more like, hey, I you know, the entire point of this Flash movie that out right now, they tried to sell it on. Hey, this is the film where we've got both Affleck and we've got Keaton and they're both going to Batman about in this movie. Come on, go see this movie to see two Batman. Like that's that that was the that was the commercial, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's such a more recent thing, though, because, I mean, when you think back to the controversy around something like the Shoemaker Batman films and, of course, the homophobia Mm -hmm. informing that and all of that stuff, which, you know, Mm -hmm. many other people have talked about a lot. But there was a real discourse. I mean, even with the 89 Batman film. Right. I mean, I know all Mm -hmm. three of you know that they did a lot of work. Yeah, but they hated Keaton. There was that, but they also did a lot of work in terms of marketing it to differentiate it from the 60s Batman, right? Which was very disavowed by the fan community at that time and has Mm -hmm. had kind of a resurgence in the years since. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But there is this like entitlement within fan culture of like thinking your version is the most legitimate one. So as much as it's easy for us to be here as scholars and like take Mm -hmm. the Linda Hutchian approach to adaptation that John mentioned earlier that, you know, Mm -hmm. everything is a web of influences. And of course, there's no true Superman because at this point it's a cultural icon and we can't pick a canonical real true Superman. Like that's fake. Everybody comics, number one, but like so many of the things we associate with Superman, it comes from the radio show. It comes from the TV show. It comes Mm -hmm. from all of these different Mm -hmm. things. Right. But if you walk into any comic book shop in in the world and you say, who's your Superman? Someone's going to have an answer to it. They're going to say, my Superman is Chris Reeves. My Superman is Dean Cain. My Superman is Henry Cavill. Right. Like people answer that question. I mean, hell, I do it. I mean, I like not not so much, but I've said several times as as have lots of people. I can't read a comic with Batman and, and not hear Kevin Conroy. Kevin Conroy is the voice of Batman in my head. And that's just how it is. Right. So I think it's a little academic to be like, oh, none of it matters. Of course it matters. People get invested in these characters. Mm-hmm. That's why they work. Right. It's- well, and, and different versions of them speak to different different people and different aspects of ourselves. You know, like I the the animated Batman from the 90s, to me, distills kind of the essence of Batman you know, down to its, its core elements. Um, that Brave and the Bold cartoon, I thought was just a hoot. I, I really enjoyed it, and a lot of people hated it. And to me, it was just this fun romp through some of the silliest aspects of of mm-hmm. the Silver Age. And I think that's what a lot of people hated. You know, it, it felt campy and goofy to them. Um, but it spoke to my love of those old comics. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I knew the source material. When Buana B shows up, I, <laughs> I know who this is. You know, um, so I I like that that part of. It. I found it really smart. But boy, was there a negative reaction to that? Yeah, cartoon. yeah. You know, the, uh, at least at least in the store. I think with a positive okay. negative reaction to various interpretations, um, it comes down to another question. So if you have this complex web of intertextuality, um, how do you know it's still the same character? Or accepted as the same character. Yeah. So there has to be something essential that we recognize. Say, okay, that is. I mean, like, I mm-hmm. maybe I don't agree with that interpretation, but that's still Batman. Um, yeah. And, but at what point does it say? Do you say, okay, that's no longer Batman? <laughs> so like, you brought up the. Yeah, and, and, yeah, that, and, and, 
Yeah, that's part of your blog. Example from yeah, go, go ahead. <laughs> I mean, it's related to the She-Hulk show again, but <laughs> when there was the we can do spoilers for a show that's like a year old. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. it's two years. Yeah, um, and we have, we're yeah. hold on. Spoilers for She-Hulk. I'll play the sound right here. <laughs> Spoiler alert. But anyway, like you know, she hooks up with Matt Murdock in the show, and you know, mm-hmm. people decided to be weird about that and like oh Matt Murdock would never he's Catholic have you heard so in response to that (laughs) I did like a semi-viral Twitter thread um about the sexual history of everybody (laughs) Matt Murdock fucks everybody you know I did like 14 tweets images cited examples and everything and I still have people (laughs) tweeting at me like no this is wrong and I'm like I don't know what to tell you I mean (laughs) I realize that you're very attached to your imagination of this character which is based on something that I don't know but he's okay yes I get that he's a Catholic but you have to understand he's a bad Catholic that's the point point. he's very bad at it (laughs) and and not that I mean and and, and also, depending on the author, some people would argue that like um, that the Daredevil character is a statement on the fact that there are no good Catholics. That's a, that that is also a possible argument. But anyway, regardless of how you feel about it, Matt Murdock fucks a lot of people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, you know, that's, that's an example, though, right? Because again, it's good it's good for us to be here and be like, oh, everybody has their own attachment to the character and everything. But people. Mm-hmm. Too many people don't have a good self-consciousness of that fact, right? They're like, no, my version is the real version. Yeah. They don't realize mm-hmm. that it's just their version, right? Yeah. Well, I, and I, your, your question, John, I, that I think is probably the most fascinating question of this whole thing is at what point do they cease being the character? I mean, we, we joke about the not my Batman, which you know, I heard in the store time and time again for various versions mm-hmm. of him. But yeah, at what point? Is there a, a universal point where it's no longer the character or is it simply a personal, not my Batman? You know, if he embodies these characters, it can no longer be that character for me. Yeah, so it was like and, you brought and I think those might be two separate questions. Mm-hmm. Like you brought up the example of Raven Bro cartoon, which I also think is excellent. Um, but, you know, if people, some people rejected that. I struggled with the Zack Snyder Batman for specific reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at Batman v Superman. I have my idea of Batman as world's greatest detective, doesn't use a gun, doesn't mm-hmm. kill. But in mm-hmm. maybe Superman, he carries a gun, he as a producer but commits <laughs> manslaughter, not murder. And yeah. He needed a Google search to solve a clue. Yeah. He he arguably just straight up murders people in those films. That's my feeling. Yeah. I was saying the producer's point of view, um, and so yeah, yeah. and and, and well, yeah, and I mean he's still and I, I agree with all those points, John. I had all those yeah, exact so is, issues is he still with Batman that version of the character. The yeah. Justice Gate uh, video games. Superman becomes a violent tyrant, but they still recognize him as Superman. Mm-hmm. And you, is that just a matter of the iconography at that point? Mm-hmm. You slap that Superman with, S on, on his chest. I think that's an interesting case with Spider-Verse, and, where, uh, especially in the recent film, based on the advertisements I will go off of, they have dozens of characters, the spider emblem, several calling themselves Spider-Man, but it's not Peter Parker behind the mask. So are they still spider yeah. And yes, there will be some people who say, no, Miles Morales is not Spider-Man. Uh, but most people will say, mm-hmm. yeah, he's also Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, some of that, just the, the multiple versions, you different characters utilize the same name, which had happened 
over DC for years. And it's a newer thing in Marvel, you know, going back only 20 years, right? But uh, yeah, I. So is it, is, yeah, it, is, oh. is it the iconography and power set that we associate with the character with a particular superhero? Or uh, is there something more intrinsic? And again, at what point like, might they go too far and say, no, that's not the character at all? Mm-hmm. Well, and yeah, is is Supreme Superman? You know, is Miracle Man, Captain Marvel? Different iconography, but they're the same concept, same character, same character type. You know, how many versions of Superman are there out there in other universes or in the DC universe that you know don't carry the iconography or not named Superman, but they're certainly that character in some way. You know, like Maybe. Apollo Supreme. You know, any yeah. one of any one of those um, icon. Yeah, and and they're they're not. I mean, they are designed to be different characters, but they're certainly so they they embody the the archetype, uh, the, the character type. So I, I I'm not sure, right? I I actually think that. So here's my question: Let go of superheroes for a moment. Is West Side Story an adaptation of Romeo and Juliet? I would say yes. Tony mm-hmm. and Maria are different. They're not Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. They're different than Romeo and Juliet. But I would say it's clearly an adaptation of Romeo and Juliet, um, reconsidered to be explicitly about race, and therefore is an icon and apt- adaptation of Superman reconsidered to be explicitly about race in exactly the same way. Mm-hmm. And therefore is, you know, like, like what's the, um, uh, what is the black Superman in the comics name? Uh, I can't remember his name. Um, the Superman of earth. Two, yeah. I think in DC, I can't remember what it, uh, Cal something. I, I can't remember his name, but like, he's an adaptation of Superman. And I, therefore, like, I, I think that, I think that I think Apollo and Supreme and Icon are adaptations of Superman or like the the kid in in what is it called Brightburn I think the movie was called Yep mm-hmm. I think like, if it's like intended to engage with your knowledge and familiarity right. with the other thing, then you there's a meaning to considering it as an adaptation, even yes. if it's not a direct adaptation. Yeah, even if it's yeah. not it's exactly the same thing, like to pick something that's been ad- adapted into, you know, from one form to another. I, uh, the Boys has been adapted from a comic book that I do not like to a TV show that I love. Um, I did not care for the comic. I love the TV show. But that said, The Boys and also Invincible, both of them presume an understanding of Superman. If you do not mm-hmm. understand the concept of Superman, you are missing out when you try to watch or read The Boys and you are missing out when you try to watch or read Invincible. Because even though Omni-Man and Homelander are not Superman, they kind of are. Yeah. You need that context for the those characters to make sense understand right or, or to make sense and, on the and, on the total level i mean maybe you can yeah. enjoy it without it but yeah well, uh, but yeah that's part of plus you know superman yeah well that's that network of connections you're talking about john yeah it, it's there's this you, if you somehow grew up under a rock and never heard tell of superman and saw an episode of the boys you wouldn't have any of that history of imagery, iconography, mythology, modern mythology, or whatever to draw on, mm-hmm. which is kind of impossible in the modern world <laughs> if, if you right. have any interest in, in watching the boys, which is kind of the point. Um, but again, that can be part of what's so interesting. And again, this is something that John brought up earlier, but it can be something that makes adaptations particularly interesting to scholars, right? Because it is the mm-hmm. politics of adaptation, right? Which is something else that Linda Hachian talks about in her book on adaptation, right? What political 
Mm, mm-hmm. What political intents, sort of what political meanings are coming out in each individual adaptation? Because, of course, the choice of what the source text is, the choice of which aspects of it are going to survive into the adaptation, the choice of what to focus on, on behalf of whom and what audience and what gazes is always a very political choice. So for John's book about adapting Superman, I took fan fiction as an example, right? And can we consider fan fiction an adaptation and... Mm-hmm what counts as a true version of Superman. And I used as an example how meaningful a particular body swap Superman fan fiction based on the television show Lois and Clark had been to me when I was a teenager. Mm -hmm. And, you know, can your preferred version of Superman be like Superman and Lois's body nursing their child? Like most people would be like, that's too far. That's too far outside what I recognize as Superman. But... For me, that being one of my first introductions right. to the character of Superman, in some sense, for me, that's his origin story. And, you know, I think there's a lot of value in sort of those thought experiments about, like, what does count as, like, an mm. original version of the character? Because with a character like that, there are so many different entry points, including official entry points and unofficial entry yeah. points, right? Well, and, and I think that entry point, like you say, that that is our entry point is our own. That's our origins for these characters. Exactly, mm. exactly. Okay, so I'm sure, okay, I can't be 100% sure, but I'm reasonably sure that I, once again, my entry point to Captain America and Falcon is almost certainly the toys, not the comics. Yeah. Because I've, because I know I had the action figures when I was two, you know, and younger, right? So, so, and so like, even if I, like, I was, I don't think I was reading comic books at that age. I was probably reading the, you know, the daily funnies, but there was no, there was no Captain America and Falcon strip there, right? So like, I know who they are from the toys long before I get to the comics, I think. So I I guess one of the, like, we tend to talk about the, we, not necessarily us, but we, um, as a people, we tend to talk about the adaptations as though we're referring to the stuff that's not the comics, right? But I don't know that that's fair, right? Like, isn't it an, is, is it an adaptation to go from to go from Stan Lee writing something to Steve Ditko writing Spider-Man, right? Or like, does that is that an adaptation or is it just the new the new author? And the reason I ask is because while I think people are inclined to say that that's the same character because it's it's the continued continuity. What about when you move from the six one six universe of Marvel to the Ultimates universe? Mm-hmm. Or what about when you move from the regular Marvel to the um to the all ages kids line of you know it's it's clearly not the same Spider Man because it's it, you know your friendly neighborhood Spider Man was a series that was designed out of continuity to be for seven year olds but it was still based on Spider Man um or like the young adult novels that like. Like, I think everybody considers these DC young adult graphic novels that like the like the mm. Harley Quinn one, which is really good, by the way, the Harley yeah. Quinn um, young a adult boy. There's yeah, a raven. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or um, I'm not Starfire is very good. Like, yeah. there's, like, these are really good books. They're clearly adaptations, but they're still just comics like. Are they just adaptations because they don't happen in the DC Prime universe? And because it, it seems we're like well, we're getting really, really loosey goosey here, and mm-hmm. I and, well, I, and I'm, know, I'm okay with that. But I don't. How, think how many people? Are. How many people's exposure to the Teen Titans is the cartoon is version? Teen Titans Go. Yes. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, and which which is then filled back and, and informed the way those characters are written in the comics now. He's only Beast Boy because because they didn't like the name Changeling for the t- for for the cartoon. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And and the Raven character as she appears in DC today has very little to do with the Marvel from George Perez version. Like right. she's almost, very... almost nothing. You know? mm-hmm. She is far more inspired by the well, I mean I mean yeah. the so I would say, yeah, the Raven character that exists in the DC universe today is in, is inspired by the version that was in Teen Titans and Teen probably even more so in Teen Titans Go, mm-hmm. which was the second version of that Teen Titans iteration. The first version was more serious and it's been it's been back, you know, backwashed into the comics. Right. And but that's also that and the characters, TV series mm-hmm. characters changing over time to adapt to the changing world. Your characters maintaining their relevance, you know, becoming essentially new characters um, just because the ask, world has changed. Can I ask Mav a question about the action figure thing? Like when you played with those characters as action figures, did you make up your own story verse mm-hmm. for them? I don't remember because I was two, but, oh, um, really but um, I mean, probably like it's it's weird because I was I mean, I was a weird kid because I, I I mean, I read a lot, but I read real books when I was two. So I know I'm not sure what I knew. I know I I know I saw let's see, it would have been like 1976. I vaguely remember watching the Captain America made for TV movies. And and but I think those were I think those are like 78, 79. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> how do i know like why my brain knows these things i don't know (laughs) but um but like so so and falcon's not in those so i like i don't know when i read my when i when i first read captain america and falcon comics like i'm not i don't start buying my own comics until i'm seven so that's 1981 and falcon's no longer co-starring by then or at least he's very very soon to leave at that point so <laughs> so so it's yeah. weird and 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 cap and the captain america comic was not one of the earliest ones i bought like i like i was regularly buying spider-man when i uh, spider-man and then x-men and teen titans so i don't know how i like where where i got my falcon stories because there was no internet so and i and he and he certainly wasn't he was, appearing on any of the tv shows yeah he's a black guy who flew i mean you know yeah, that, yeah that was basically it i mean like yeah. he could fly and he was black and that was that that was what i knew about him um and I guess I filled stuff in well, as I started reading the cap, well, the cap comic I, and he, he would appear. And, and being older than you, most of the action figures I had, I, I was not a fan of the Migos for what, considering I was a comics fan, I was not a fan of the Migos. But I had the, the Marx toy lines, which were Western characters and there were knights and they were like 12 inches tall and solid plastic and you'd kill people with them. Um, and, but you know, like they were, they were knights and, and cowboys and Indians and, and that sort of thing. But, as a child, they were actors in whatever story I wanted to put them in. Like I had a General uh, Custer yeah. figure. He was rarely General Custer. Um, you know, I, I would swap yeah. out the, the accoutrements and I would just, I would tell superhero stories with these action figures. Um, yeah, I'm not sure that in 1976, I don't, I don't remember if I had a a sense of DC versus Marvel enough to keep my Superman figure separate from my falcon figure like yeah. i probably yeah. didn't do you want me to yeah. give you my weird example sure <laughs> of course <laughs> so i was very into my little pony when i was a kid like about mm-hmm. eight years old like seven eight and i'd never seen the cartoon show i had no context for it did not know it existed so my friend my best girlfriend and i used to play my little pony and we did have a whole story world for these characters completely divorced of the cartoon show yeah. and <laughs> what we made up was creepy as hell so in, in our world um the my little ponies are ghosts 
of dead horses and ponies. <laughs> um, they live in an all-female feminist utopia, obviously. There weren't any mm -hmm. boys. Well, yeah. And I also imagined that they had superpowers related to the symbols on them. So, like, mm. Firefly could shoot lightning bolts, obviously. That's not too far off. <laughs> yeah, that's not completely unreasonable. I mean, you can yeah. sort of infer that from the toy. But, yeah, the, the dead ponies detail of it, don't know where that came <laughs> from. But, like, I love it. We were such creepy children. That's but great. I think about that often in terms yeah. of, like, I mean, it blows my mind that, like, My Little Pony became so popular but, again in my adulthood. But, like, yeah, I mean, that's but, what My Little Pony is to me. But, <laughs> that's and that's it. That's that's part of your head canon as to what they are, right? <laughs> Thinking about what uh, you've all said recently, um, going back to that idea of the network and the complex, network seems to be built on history and leading back to some mm -hmm. primary text, truth text, but complex, uh, that personal head canon, it does have any number of access points, and it's just where do you start? So, uh, is it an action figure? Is it, uh, if you have the action figures, do you have the uh, Bible that they create from, or do you create your own canon? Uh, I know, like, my nieces and mm -hmm. nephews, uh, introduction to superheroes is Bat Wheels and Spidey and His Amazing Friends, which are preschool shows. Right. And that's, mm -hmm. that's going to affect how they interpret the characters uh, for themselves. And so, yeah, yeah. like, there's, you have the history of the characters that say, oh, and that adaptation moves in one direction, starting from... A beginning point but for each person that idea of adaptation does move from wherever you start and expands from there well, well the difference marvel and dc for me my my entry point once again being older reading comics in the mid to late 60s i've always been i always, I always read both marvel and dc but i am just old enough to remember the latter days of goofy <laughs> dc mm -hmm. <laughs> so that has always been baked into my perceptions of those characters. So I've, mm -hmm. my brain has always been more flexible with DC characters than with Marvel characters because I had Adam West and Super Friends and Neil Adams. Right. Whereas the Marvel characters, there was more of that baked in sense of continuity. You know, like it always felt like here are who these characters are, where Superman can be any one of a number of things. Hmm. And that just that's when I came into those two universes. And I still maintain a certain level of that. I mean, I certainly have loosened up on my belief as to what Marvel continuity is and that sort of thing over the years. Yeah. But as I've has always Marvel. been Yeah, as has Marvel. <laughs> yeah. But I, I've always had more flexibility in my brain of what Batman can be than what Captain America can be. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it just well, because of what I was reading and being exposed to when I first really started this stuff. That said, I'll quote Wayne just to correct because like, I mean, even even say that like I'm something I remember you saying at a conference that we attended. You said your flaw with Marvel continuity is that in your head, Captain America does not sleep while Punisher walks here. Right. Yeah. Like that, yeah. <laughs> like that makes no sense. And you're, right. And you're yeah. right. Right. Like, like, how does this character ever team up? How does this like yeah. Steve, Steve Rogers as a person should not be willing to let this psycho wander yeah. around his city. And yeah, yeah. My, my head can says he doesn't go to bed tonight until the Punisher's in prison. Yeah. Right. And that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So, 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 but that said, you also are aware that there have to be, yeah, by the nature of what Marvel is, there right. have to be stories where they can coexist. Yeah. But also there are, I mean, the Punisher exists as you know a character on a netflix series and a character in the comic books yeah and sometimes a frankenstein my, monster my, my favorite you know, punisher so. my favorite punisher appearance is when batman beats him off panel in the jla avengers crossover 
in a world where Punisher walk. And that, and, and that was exactly the point Kurt Busiek was making. <laughs> so. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I don't want to say we resolved nothing. This no, <laughs> I, I think it's, it's a complicated issue. I think this is something we can revisit at some point. Yeah, there, there's mean, a lot going on with this, and I think a lot of a lot of pieces to it. Maybe somebody should do a book about this. The joy of <laughs> or several. Well, I know, like I mentioned, I'm uh, still accepting proposal for mine, but I know Anna is working on a book on small screen superheroes. I am indeed with my co-editor Drew Jeffries. Well, I and I was going to bring that up. We're talking about. Uh, adaptations of Superman and like the world's greatest hero cropped into my mind, you know, this TV show of someone who has mm-hmm. all the powers. Oh, you know? greatest American hero. Yeah. Greatest American hero. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I was so hoping someone would send us a pitch on that in the CFP. I specifically was like, I yeah. want you to pitch stuff that is not talked about. This is absolutely yeah. not going to be it, it a it was one that I considered less MCU so, stuff. So yeah. I was I, I I didn't pitch anything for for Anna's book, and I feel bad because I because I had I had vague ideas, but nothing cohesive, and and that was one that I considered. It's like you yeah. know, if only to force myself to watch all of them again. I have recently rewatched Greatest American Heroine. Um, and yeah, and, and I and haven't I just, seen any of that stuff since it first appeared. I have them all, and I'm just like, wow, these are bad. Um, but I, but I, but I enjoy them. I mean, it's just like, yeah. And what? And at some point, they started referring to him as Mr. H after someone yeah. named Tinkley shot the president. Yes, yes. He, yeah, he, so he we, changes. We some... he, he changes his name, and he changes his name back. It's it it, it is it is. I I I'm I'm so into that show. <laughs> we got some good stuff in the pipeline. We're going to be talking about the '70s shows and TV movies and spy. Man and his amazing friends and the Superboy TV show. We got some oh, got some wild stuff in the works. John, is there is there an essay on the on Superboy TV show in the? I think there is, isn't there? In the, no, in the I had one. Um, in the, I had uh, one proposed and accepted, but they had to drop out. We weren't able to complete it in time. Okay. Cause yeah, cause right. I couldn't remember cause, cause I know I mention it in context. Cause my, I have the Smallville chapter in that book, which um, <laughs> just uh, as an, as an aside, that was a really stupid idea. So when John proposes the book, and I'm like, I want Smallville because I'm a huge fan of Smallville. It's like I had a good idea, and and John liked the idea, and I and I wrote the and it, it just like I so into you needed to watch ten more ten watch ten seasons again, or how long <laughs> ten seasons was. I enjoy I enjoyed that show so much when it was first out, and I was like, this is a chance to revisit it, and I love that show. And oh my god, is it a lot of television? Oh my god, I was just and I and I and I, and I did rewatch all of it. Um, and it was just like, there's so much Smallville because if you're not just sitting down to binge it over the course of a summer, you don't realize how like Tom Welling has played that character more than anybody else yeah. in the history of the world. He yeah. he has more hours logged as far. Clark Kent than any other actor by a lot, right? Maybe, and, and maybe as many as all of them together. Yeah, and it's and it doesn't really once you realize, you know, there's 22 episodes per season, they're an hour long and he, there's 10 seasons. So it's it is so much TV. And I, and I also I um because of something I want to do, I also rewatched um the I, I rewatched Superman 1 for it. I watched the pilots of the Superboy TV show and of Lois and Clark because I had I want to have a very good idea of where Smallville fit in the greater canon of Superman. 
but oh my god is it so long and also the superboy tv show is something <laughs> like i watched a few of them and, and it certainly is a it's a thing that's out there it, it i what i liked about it is it doesn't you know like people get all hung up on the idea of like um of superhero like oh do we have to watch another origin movie people say that all the time everybody knows where these characters came from and you know that's true for three characters for you know for spider-man superman and and, and batman for anybody else, like I don't think regular people necessarily know Flash's origin or Wonder Woman's or even the Hulk, yeah. right? I don't yeah. think I don't I don't think that's the case. And but like the Superboy TV show, <laughs> it doesn't care. Superboy TV show just starts in the middle of like, look, Superboy's in college now. I assume you know who Superboy is. Let's just just let's just uh, move on. <laughs> that's what it does. So. Anyway, John, people can get this book. I assume the uh, adopting Superman. Yes. I'm uh, <laughs> I will still be wow. accepting proposals essays for adapting X-Men for about another week. Um, and mm-hmm. I, like I said, I have a broad view. So, you know, you can go pretty out there on some ideas and see if I'll accept it. But I will give some hints of things I haven't seen that I would really like to um, television show Legion. So much you can do with that. Yeah. And so much. And yeah, I, was, I, I tapped out. <laughs> I, I am torn between about Legion or the X-Men anime. And so uh, also oh, like if someone okay. else wanted to tackle the X-Men and Wolverine anime, that's not, uh, I welcome that. I really want someone to do something with the novels. And uh, at the very beginning of this um, recording, you mentioned that you know, moving into film, it seems like a natural fit for the action and a visual of superheroes. But Marvel's published like a hundred novels based on their characters. And that seems like in going mm-hmm. in very much the opposite direction. How do you translate these characters, that action and such into just words? Uh, so, and there are mm-hmm. a lot of X-Men novels, so you okay. don't have to do, cover all of them. But if you pick a, one or a few uh, to cover, I would very much welcome that. Um, you don't have to pick just one text, one film or one story. You could you can take a character and compare different uh, iterations of them say like if a certain pr manager wanted to look at kirk wagner and their portrayal across media <laughs> i would welcome that <laughs> or if hmm. the manager is too busy and wishes to officially delegate that responsibility to someone else <laughs> um, yeah, you can look at well, you know, I, I the novels, the novels proposal tempts me, John. I, I am too busy. But if I was going to write about anything, I would obviously write about the X-Men novel that I talk about all the time, which is Marjorie Liu's novel, Dark Mirror, which is a body swap story in which many interesting things happen. One of these days, something, and I, you know, I was going to say I'll edit this out, but I'm just going to leave it in the show. Um, so so that, you know, people who listen can remind me. Um Someone should remind me to propose for for Joe, for Joe Dorowski. John's brother has the show protagonist. We've talked about it before. Uh, I should I should get him to read What Savage Beast, which is a Peter David penned Hulk novel, not graphic novel. It is a novel about the Incredible was- Hulk um, written by Peter David. Long time. It's so good. And I haven't read it in a while. And I like it is it is just a good book aside from being that's into the, superheroes and stuff. And it's a very well written. That's one of the things that fascinates just, about the novels is they go through these cycles on them. And, but in the 90s, did uh, a big set of novels, mm-hmm. but they were so tied to the comic book continuity. You could tell like they, mm-hmm. you could tell which issues these these stories were supposed to slot in between. And yeah. 
Yeah, there's a bit of that. I don't know if I could still do it because I'm. It's been so long since I've read that run of Hulk. But like, I was very aware that it was in the same continuity when I read it. But also, it was just it was uh, very standalone. Eventually, we'll get to adapting the Incredible Hulk. Yeah, be a few years. So you can go ahead and prep this essay <laughs> and have it ready. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm. I'm, I'm trying to finish something else, a project of my own right now. Yeah, I, I am <laughs> talking years. It's not going to be the next week. I know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, speaking of, uh, Anna, what about you? Where can people find you? And you had a story, like you, you said you're working on something in particular that I also wanted you to talk about just because I think it's funny. And and I told John and Wayne at the beginning that like before we went on air that like I wanted when you started to talk about what you were working on right now. <laughs> I was like, I want to talk about this on the yeah. air. What I was doing right before I jumped on the podcast was doing drawings based on Bart Sears' Brutes and Babes column from 90s Wizard <laughs> magazines. And this is part of an academic wow. conference paper and hopefully later an article that I'm doing with a couple of other scholars, Calervo, Sinervo, and Benjamin Wu. Mm -hmm. So we're doing an autoethnography of Brutes and Babes. <laughs> So what we're doing is that we're each trying to follow a number of <laughs> tutorials from wow. Bart Sears, Brutes and Babes, Sounds None of amazing. Us Can Draw. So <laughs> that's that, been interesting. That's great. I, and then I, reflecting on yeah. what it's trying to teach us about how to look at comics and, you know, what comics meant in the 90s and hopefully being very, very respectful of how hard it is to draw comics, which mm -hmm. is definitely something I have a newfound respect for after doing bubble figures of Wolverine for like three hours and it still looks <laughs> like shit. So, so I, I have always loved Bart Sears' column in, in Wizard birds and babes because because i can draw i'm not saying i'm the best artist in the world but I, you know i know a little something something i read i read how to draw comics the marvel way but um but um bart bart sears is, is not john Bosima. bart sears's idea of a drawing tutorial is he says today we are going to learn to draw wolverine so what i want you to do is i want you to draw a line across the middle of your paper and then you put a circle here and then you draw Wolverine around that. Right. <laughs> that, yeah, very much so. That's the Not tutorial. Super helpful. I don't know what all the bubbles correspond to. I just drew yeah. them how Bart drew them. And now I'm yep. trying to ink it. And I don't understand how his abs work. But, you know, it's what Bart told well, me to do. So I'm doing Anna, my best. The good news is Bart also didn't understand how abs work. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> There's a great anatomy page in one of his final columns where he does do a very funny list of the anatomy in a male body and he just makes up words for everything like it's like, <laughs> it's like cooler left bicep <laughs> like uh, yep, stretchy it, 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 bicep it, tendon and you're like what i mean he does yeah. it with a sense of humor and it is very yeah, funny yeah but it was the 90s yeah. it didn't matter mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, where else can people I find mean. you <laughs> Folks can, for the time being, still unfortunately find me on Twitter under my own name, uh, Papard <laughs> underscore Anna. And they can also find me over at the Oh Gosh, Oh Golly, Oh Wow podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Gosh Golly Wow. We're reading every issue of the classic Marvel series Excalibur and talking about it. We're in the hundreds now. I can't believe it. You can also <laughs> find me 
I'm on Twitter so much. It's disgusting. You can also <laughs> find me at the Twitter account, Sequential Scholars, where myself and Andrew DeMann do semi-weekly Twitter threads, Twitter essays, really, analyzing comics. We're currently working mm -hmm. on TMNT, The Last Ronin, and we will be starting a unit on Jamie McKelvey and Kieran Gillen's Young Avengers, oh, probably around the Yay. time this episode comes out. So follow me all of those places. Mm -hmm. Very, 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 very fun. I, I'm very familiar with all um, of that work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty big, pretty big fan of very quickly, over here. Very quickly, I didn't mention. Oh. If um, you want to send me a proposal yeah, or find out more about it, you can Google CFP adapting the X-Men or you can email me at adapting superheroes at gmail.com. And we'll link that in the show notes as yeah. well as, you know, all of Anna's stuff. And Wayne, what about you? I don't do nearly enough of that stuff, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm pretty void on the internet these days. Uh, oh, you stuff. Know, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I, you I don't, don't want to be on, on Twitter where... Um... <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 see, I, I see a number of tweets by the various things that have been mentioned here, but I really don't participate much. Yeah, um, at time of recording, um, my most recently, and I, I was talking about this yesterday, um, Elon Musk, who somehow is the actual owner of Twitter, <laughs> has has decided that the term cisgender is a slur and is no longer allowed on the website, which makes talking about certain things complicated. Because if I want to refer to a non-transgender individual, I don't know how to anymore. <laughs> Because he's decided that this is a, this is an offensive slur that you're not allowed to use on his website, where people routinely call each other the N word. Um, it's a it's a thing. It's a choice. <laughs> I know that him and his algorithm is completely ineffective at banning or blocking anybody, so I doubt he'll get very far with that. Yeah. yeah. Well. <laughs> so are you allowed to refer to yourself as cisgender, or is that no. self abuse? <laughs> no. You're, it, he he says that usage of the word cis or cisgender is grounds for immediate banning and people were like uh i don't and then he, and then he tries to you know he tries to do the just like quoting people that have that he's like heard from his random oh i swear i'm not right wing i'm just a normal sensible american friends who are like oh well this is a this is a term that was developed by a nazi and and, and a pedophile and blah 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 and it's like dude stop don't know like literally just google just just actually use Google. <laughs> Literally read a Wikipedia page. It's not. It's, yeah. Oh God, it's sad. It is. It is so sad. And um, I don't know. I mean, we're recording this on Thursday. It's got to go up on Monday. I wonder if Twitter still exists. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> anyway, as always, you can follow me on Twitter <laughs> or Instagram or Facebook. All the places always at Chris Maverick. You can follow the show all those same places at Fox Popcast, except for Instagram. I really want our Instagram account back. I'm very, very sad. I don't know why we don't have Instagram. It makes me sad. Um, you can follow the show's blog at www.voxpopcast.com where we post about whatever we're going to be talking about next week. And you can leave us comments on this or any other shows and just topics or say anything else. And sometimes we pick guests from, from the blog. Sometimes we just pick topics from, from what people say like this week. So, you know, what do you want to hear us talk about? Tell us. And if you enjoy the show, we certainly hope you do. Then please subscribe to us on iTunes or Stitcher or Spotify or wherever the hell you get podcasts from. And do us a favor. Leave us a five-star review. If you leave us a five-star review where you write a little something, something, and don't just leave the rating, that gooses the algorithm, makes us more popular, and really help us out. 
I would like to thank Maximilian of Thoughtform Music for our epic theme song, building ever so more epically and playing us out. I'd once again like to thank Anna and John for joining us. I'd like to thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.